Amen. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, as we are now officially into the Christmas season. I thought that we would uh, have something of a Christmas message here today and next week as well. The title of today's message, Jesus, the reason for the season. Now, I know, Pastor, couldn't you come up with something a little more original than that? It's a pretty worn and tired statement, but it does have a nice rhyme and it does communicate an important message, an important reminder. But we are in this Christmas season, aren't we? The, the music, the decorations, the, the, the food, the gatherings, the giving of gifts, the shopping, the spending, the wrapping, it's all in full force. And that's not bad, of course, but it can become a distraction if we become overwhelmed with all of the additional trappings of the season. We can neglect the true meaning, which, of course, is the birth of Christ. So I do think it's important to remind ourselves and purpose in our heart to focus on Jesus during this season to celebrate what his coming to earth means to us. And my thought today, and the reason I kind of used this statement, reason for the season, is it really, as I was thinking and praying about this Christmas season and what the Lord would have me to share with us as a church, I felt this just sense that, you know, Jesus is the reason for all seasons, not just Christmas, but for all seasons of life. And so, you know, seasons, of course, has a multiple application is just in terms of the word. Uh, the definition of season is a time characterized by a particular circumstance or feature. So it has to do with time. It can be uh, the dividing of the year and has certain weather features that come with seasons. There is planting and growth and harvest that are associated with seasons. There are uh, animals and birds that migrate during different seasons. Even business seasons, you know, I used to be in the in the business where summer travel was our high season. That's when we really had an opportunity to do well. But seasons have to do with time. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And so today I want us to consider Jesus as the reason for the season in three distinct ways. Uh, of course, the first and most obvious way is that he is the reason for the season of celebrating Christmas. He is also the reason for the season of a lifetime. He's also the reason for the season of all time. And so I'd like to look at those things here separately today. First, beginning with this season of Christmas where we celebrate his birth. It might be better understood to celebrate his coming to earth. You know, Jesus was not born for the very first time there in the manger. He pre-existed the manger. He pre-existed eternity. He is divine. He is God. The manger simply recognizes when he took on flesh, when he came to earth. And I'd like to consider two things about this Christmas season and how Christ is the center of it. I'd like us to consider, first of all, who he is, and secondly, why he came. Who is he? You're there in John chapter 1. Look with me in the first few verses. John, he doesn't begin with the manger. He begins way back before 
anything existed. He says, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Speaking of Jesus, of course, as the Word of God, the communication, the expressed revelation of God. He was in the beginning, and that is a relationship to the divine. In the beginning, really preceding the beginning, there is no beginning or end with Jesus. He is eternal. But look down now, you're in John 1, look at verse 14. John in verse 14 talks about actually Jesus being birthed at Christmas. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word made flesh. When we think about John using this this word, word, logos, to describe Jesus, he he is telling us that Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the communicated person of God. We use words to communicate. And so Jesus is the communication to man concerning God. Jesus would tell his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He is the exact representation and expression of his nature because he himself is God. But Jesus became a man. And that's what Christmas is to celebrate, his becoming a man. He was rich, the Bible tells us, but he became poor. Jesus becoming a man was not an upgrade. He was God, eternal in the universe and beyond, the creator of the universe. He became a man, and and in so doing, he limited himself. The scripture says that he became poor. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Who is he? He is God. He is the the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Word of God in the beginning, and he came and put on flesh. And the question we, we ask is, why? Why did he come? Well, clearly, that we might become rich. He became poor, that we might become rich. He came to save us, from our sins, not just his birth, but clearly his birth was merely the road to his death. He had to become a man so that he might offer his life as a sacrifice for men. He came to save us from sin by dying on the cross. An interesting verse in Hebrews chapter 10, I'll have this for you on the overhead. It talks about Jesus, what he said before he came and became, uh, before he became flesh. Hebrews 10 and verse 5, the writer is talking about Jesus. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. The, the, the writer of Hebrews is quoting the psalm, but he, t- he lets us know that this is a 
This is a prophetic psalm. This is Jesus expressing his heart through the psalmist even before he came. Jesus knew that he was coming. It was planned even before man was created. The plan was already in motion and made that we would have to save man. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all active in creation and, of course, all active in salvation. Jesus says, a body you have prepared for me. He knew that he would have to be humbled. He knew that he would have to put on flesh. And the reason that he had to do this is because animal sacrifices could not save man from sin. He says it here, uh, you know, sacrifices, animal sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. The blood of animals can never cover the sins of men. It was never intended to be a remission for sin, but rather it was merely to point to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would shed his blood for the remission of sin. So Jesus knew, "I, I have to come. I have to go. You have prepared a body for me. I am to go and I am to take on flesh because ultimately I'm going to have to lay that body down at the cross for the sacrifices of sin because the sacrifices of animals, bulls and goats, cannot relieve sin. You have no pleasure in those. Those will not satisfy the justice of God. Behold, I have come. I have come to offer up my body to do your will, O God. Jesus was born in that manger to die on that cross. You know, I have, um, I have this wonderful new grandchild in my life, my little granddaughter. My wife and I had opportunity to spend some time with her these last couple days. Uh, we got to babysit her, an overnighter. <clears throat> That's, you know, that's a big move for the parents, for the first child, our first grandchild, and uh, little Evie. She's eight months old, so we've just been doting on her. You know, her feet haven't touched the ground. She's just been, you know, uh, she doesn't know what it is to not be a celebrity in our home. And we've just been loving on her, you know, and she's so small and petite, but so precious. And I've been just kissing her on the brow, you know, when I can. Just give her that little kiss on the forehead. She's so sweet to us. And it reminded me of this uh, song by, by Chris Rice. It's a Christmas song entitled, Welcome to Our World. And I couldn't help but as I was holding this little one, thinking about Jesus when he came to the manger, this song kind of captures that moment, just some of the lyrics from the song. Fragile finger sent to heal us. Tender brow prepared for thorn. Tiny heart whose blood will save us. Unto us is born. Unto us is born. So wrap our injured flesh around you. Breathe our air and walk our sod. Rob our sin and make us holy. Perfect Son of God. Perfect Son of God. Welcome to our world. I've been so moved this week thinking about Jesus becoming one of us to save us. The the drama, if you will, of that commitment, the, the passion of Christ coming for us, so loving us that he would lay down and set aside his deity, that he might come to save a broken and sinful world. Church, the world is broken. Our lives are broken. 
and He has come to save us all. It is Jesus. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. God loves us. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to redeem. He was born that we might have the hope of salvation. What does this tell us, not only about God and the kind of God that we serve and the love of God and the commitment of God and the passion of God, but what does it tell us about our lives? What does it tell us about our worth in the sight of God? And this brings me to my second point here today. Jesus is the reason for the season of a lifetime. I want you to think about your life as a season. It really is just a passing of time, isn't it? The scriptures tell us, the psalmist from David, he says in Psalm 39, verse 4, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. David said, Lord, help me to know how frail I am. Why would you want to know that? Why would you want to know the, the temporary nature of your life, the season of your life, and knowing that it's limited? Moses would say the, uh, the same thing in Psalm 90. Verse 12, a psalm written by Moses, he would say, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, remind us that our life is just a season. It's just a period of time wherein we are on the earth. You have those days numbered. We don't know them. We don't know what tomorrow holds. You do, God. But we know this that they will not last forever, not in this life, not on this earth. And so life is but this season. But think of it, think of the value, even though it's short, even though it's temporary, think how precious it is to the heart of God. You're there in John 1, skip down to verse 9. John 1 and verse 9. Again, John speaking of Jesus that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is the reason really for this season we call a lifetime. He's really all that matters in life. Have you found Christ? Do you know Christ? Paul would say this in one of his letters. You know, we, we, we look at man in only one of two ways. You're either in Christ or you're not. If you're in Christ then you are destined for eternity, to eternity with him. If you're not, then our mission is to bring you and save you and get you into Christ to preach the gospel. Paul saw people only two ways. Either you knew Christ or you didn't, because in the end, that is the dividing line. Jesus is the reason for this life. He is the only reason he 
that, that we are actually here is that we might by opportunity come to him and be saved by him. Think of that value that you have in the heart of God. You were made through him. You were made for him. You were created in the image of God. You were created to have relationship with God. He came for you. He came in pursuit of you. He became poor that you might become rich. His love has been relentless for you. This lifetime is all about Christ, finding him, knowing him, loving him. It is the reason for the season of life that you and I call a lifetime. You know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think of the value that he has placed on you by making you the very object of his love. But not only value, not only does your life have this wonderful value in the heart of God, but I want you to know that it also has significant purpose. And it is a purpose, once again, that can only be found in Christ. You will never know why you're here apart from Christ. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like the New Living Translation on this verse because it, it gets at that, that, that Greek word for workmanship. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Your life has purpose. Plans that were made long before you arrived, just as Jesus had plans made for him long before he put on flesh. Your existence, although began at your birth, your conception and birth, but it was seen in the heart and mind of God long before you got here, and it, came, it comes with purpose, good works that he has prepared for you. Paul would say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether I live or die, it is all about Christ. Paul would say this for all believers. 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Jesus is the reason for the season of your life. Jesus died for you that you would no longer live for yourself, but that you would live for him. He is the reason of your life. If you know him, you are to be living for him. If you do not know him, your life is only here to find him. You have this window of opportunity to come to Christ. He is not only the reason for the Christmas season, he is the reason for the season of your life. You know, I know in my own life, there have been times when the Lord has given me clarity on this. And maybe you can think back in your own Christian journey, those moments when you realize, you know what, Jesus, the only thing that matters is you. The only thing that really matters is knowing you and living for you. We get distracted. I do. I mean, we get all cluttered up and caught up and so busy about other things. 
But I pray for moments of clarity in my own life and for yours as well this Christmas season that God would not only bring Christmas into focus, but your life into focus, God's plan and purpose for you. Sometimes it comes through moments of trial. Sometimes it comes through opportunities of ministry. You know, you you have a chance to be used by the Lord, and in that moment you realize this is what life is really about, being useful to Christ. Or trial that strips away all the distraction and you're brought down to the foundation of your life and you realize, I have Jesus, and that's really all I need, not only in this life, but for the life even to come. That brings me to my third season that I would like you to consider with me here today. I'm calling it the season of all time. What I mean here is that even this time that we live in history, do you realize that it is defined by Christ, His first coming and His second coming? We live in this space of time that, as far as God is concerned, is this moment in history wherein Christ is awaiting his return and giving opportunity for the world to be saved. That's what God is up to. That's that's what God is busy thinking about and planning. He's thinking about Christ's return. He's thinking about what he's already accomplished in Christ at the cross and resurrection. God is interested in saving souls. Now, we think that this time in history is all about all kinds of other things. And people become very focused on their own, you know, creating their own kind of historical legacy. But God is up to one thing, one thing alone, saving and redeeming men. This is what he is at work doing. And this is what this, his, this time in history is to be about. It is marked by his first and second Coming. I have two thoughts for you that I think uh, come to us as we consider this. First of all, I think it just helps our perspective. And second of all, I think it, it, it instills hope. Perspective. This is not all there is. You know, we really are just living in a, a blip on the screen in the scope of eternity. This is not the end. This is not all. This life is not all that there is. And as we realize that, as we realize that, you know, this is, this is just a moment in time when Jesus is going to return and he's going to set up an earthly kingdom and he's going to eventually make a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be an eternity. I mean, 10,000 years from now, as the song say, says, you know, what will we be? We'll still be singing his praise. I wonder if we'll be worried about the things we worry about today perspective when you begin to realize that, listen, Jesus is the author of all time. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus is the reason for the season of time as we know it. And he is in the center of it. He is working in the midst of it. This is, this is about worldview, isn't it? I mean, look, look man is fallen. And this, this world is sinful and headed for a certain end. The scripture is clear on this. Christ will be returning. And when he does, things will be changing. Things will be changing in a beautiful way. Now, for those that don't know the Lord, those changes are not going to be beautiful. It's going to be a judgment. It's going to be a day of reckoning, a day of accountability. But for those that know Christ, it's really a new beginning. 
And that helps perspective when you realize that, you know, all these things that we, we see going on in the world today, aren't they troublesome? I mean, uh, the division in our own nation and, and, and the, up, the uproar, the, 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 the tumult in the hearts, that's troublesome. The things going on in the world and, and, and you know, the terrorism and the uncertainty, the economic challenges, all the things. I mean, just watch the news if you want a, a good, you know, scare you don't even need to go see a horror movie. Just watch the news. Times are troubled. But see, for the believer, when we understand, look, this is all moving towards the end. This is all moving towards Christ's return. That's why the Scripture says, when you see these things, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. Gain perspective. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't let the trials and the troubles of the day steal away your joy, especially at Christmas. This is when we're reminded of it all over and afresh again. Jesus came. Yeah, I'd be worried, but Jesus came. <laughs> yeah, I'd be troubled. I'd be scared too. Uh, co co-worker, family member, but guess what? Jesus came. It's Christmas. And He came, and He died, and He rose again, and He's coming again. And this not only gives perspective, but ultimately it brings hope. Let me quote a verse to you out of 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Again, I'm talking about perspective. When you begin to realize that, look, I'm just, I just happen to be living in this space between his advents, his first coming, his second coming. God has deposited me somewhere in, the, in between. And the reason he delays the second coming, according to the scripture, is because he's long suffering, not wanting any to perish. He wants to give maximum opportunity for the gospel to reach and touch and win the hearts of men. So that gives me a sense of not only perspective about kind of settling my fears, but it also kind of lets me know what the agenda is. The agenda is preaching the gospel. Look, we have this window. He could come tonight. He could come this afternoon. Now, I know, yeah, but he hasn't come. But that, that's what Peter says. Look, that doesn't mean he's slack about his promise. It just means he's being patient and long-suffering and merciful. So we should take advantage of this time by living for him and by ministering him to others. The Lord tarries that men might be saved. And with this perspective, I think we must preach the gospel. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is how Paul saw it. Paul saw, you know what, I've got just a little bit of time here. I don't know how long I'll be here. I don't know when the Lord will return. And until that time, I'm his ambassador and I'm pleading. I implore you, be reconciled to God. Come to Christ. He loves you. He saved you. He came for you. He's pursuing you even today in the person of the Holy Spirit. This perspective should be 
motivating the heart of believers. And finally, I'll close here this idea of the season of all time as we not only gain perspective, as I mentioned, we also we come into a place of hope. John 14. You can turn there with me. You're in one, so just turn the pages over to, to chapter 14. Jesus comforted his disciples, reminding them that that although he was leaving, he would be returning. John 14 and verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Keep that hope alive in your heart. Remember that Jesus has simply gone to prepare a place for us. Jesus has simply gone to finish out the plans that God has made for us. Jesus has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He has simply gone ahead of us to prepare those things that he has for us. And he says very clearly, listen, if I go to get this place ready for you, guess what? You know that I'm coming back for you. That where I am, you may be with me also. It's a season of joy, a joy of hope in his eternal promise. Oh, that God would would restore to us the joy of our salvation, that that we would be reminded that Jesus, Jesus is the reason for all seasons. Christmas time, a lifetime, this time in history wherein we find ourselves. Jesus is at the center of it all, and it brings great hope. It brings great joy. As the angels said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Praise God. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we do thank you today for this Christmas season. It is an opportunity for us to be reminded afresh and anew who you are and why you came. You came because, Lord, you had to come. There was no other hope for us. There was no other way that we could be saved. There was no other way we could be released from the bondage of sin. There was no other, no other means by which we could be redeemed and restored in relationship to you. Lord, we had no hope. You had to come for us. And Jesus, you did. You became poor, that through your poverty we might become rich. Oh God, that 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 would encourage our hearts for those of us that know you today. That it would put in perspective our life in this time. And Lord, for those that do not know you, or for those that know you and are just simply not really living for you at all, I pray that it would be something of an appeal like the Apostle Paul. They would hear your spirit pleading, imploring them, be reconciled. Come to God in Christ. Come back to Christ. 
Let this be a season for new beginnings. For those of you that have never received the Lord or those of you that need to come back to the Lord, I want to give you opportunity to respond this morning to the word. Jesus really is the reason for all seasons. I'd love to pray for you if you're here today and the Lord is speaking to your heart and you know that you need him. You know the story. You know Christmas. You know Jesus, in, in, at least in the story of Jesus, but you don't know him yet in a personal way. And he invites you today to come, as many as received him, even those that would believe on his name. He gave them the right, the power become the children of God. I'd love to pray for you today if you need Christ for the very first time. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him. You've fallen away from the Lord. And here it is. It's Christmas and it's another year gone by and you're not where you know in your heart you long to be. And you're not where you know in your heart He longs you to be. And you want to come to Christ afresh and anew today. I want to pray for you as well. You're here today, you need the Lord for the very first time or you need to rededicate your life to Him. I would ask you simply to raise your hand where you're seated. Let me see you and I'll pray for you. Anybody here today, the Lord ministering to your heart, raise it high so I can see you. Anybody at all? So, Lord, we do thank you for this season and what it means to us. Lord, I trust that, that your word will encourage people here today, being reminded of your great love, that they would be moved by your passion for them. And Lord, that they would simply anchor their life in you, not only at Christmas time, but for all time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.